What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Posbon, and you are listening to part four of episode 13 of VGM Generations. And with me, as always, is Aaron Balauchuk. Hello. And Jordan Belinsky. I'm the strongest woman in the world. <laughs> I love these quotes. <laughs> it's the best. You need to do this, like, from now on this is for it? every... This is going to be my thing now? Yeah, this is, it has to. I like it too much. Are okay. you saving strongest woman in the world for the last podcast in this series? I just, you know, I, I felt like I used all the best ones already, and this is... <laughs> is that and, a Chun-Li? Yeah, okay. yeah, totally. It's her Street Fighter 2 win quote. Perfect. All right. So, and yeah, in this series of episodes, we're talking about the franchise we love. Obviously, Street Fighter for Jordan. Fantasy Star for Aaron and Halo for me. And I am going to start us off again this week with the game Halo Reach. So the uh, sixth game in the Halo series and the last one that uh, Bungie ever did. Uh, From there on, it was taken over by um, 343 Studios, which was kind of an offshoot uh, studio that Microsoft built specifically to build Halo games. Um, In some people's opinion, uh, probably the best Halo, uh, just in terms of mechanics, uh, graphics, sound, everything like that. Um, I know literally nothing about Reach. Oh, was really? Was it a standard Halo game? Uh, it was It was like a sort of standard Halo game in that it is a first-person shooter, unlike uh, Halo Wars, which we talked about last yeah. week. But um, This uh, was the prequel to Halo Reach Around, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it is based on the novel The Fall of Reach. So, um, yeah, so... Quick background on Reach is uh, Reach. So in the year uh, 2552, I believe it is, um, which is the same year in which uh, the first game, Halo Combat Evolved, takes place. Um, The first time that like uh, Oni and um, the UNSC is uh, brought to the attention of the Covenant um, is when they attack a planet called Reach. So we're we're in the future, space travel is great, everybody's flying around all over the place, and so humans set up a bunch of colonies on different planets. We basically find, you know, inhabitable planets and humans are living there. And Reach is one of these planets. So um, Reach, uh, through, a, through a bunch of expanded universe stuff, we know that Reach, like, um, Basically, the people on the colonies are unhappy with the fact that they're kind of treated as some of them think that they're kind of treated as second class citizens and they've become militant against Earth in that like, well, we're just a colony plant, so we don't matter as much as the people on Earth. So there's a bit of like almost like a racism there. Um, And so uh, everyone thinks originally that the Spartan program is being developed to deal with all these militia that are like cropping up on the planet. So they're developing these super soldiers just to deal with other humans. And then it ends up that the covenant show up and they're like, Oh, we can use these super soldiers for something else. How convenient. (laughs) How convenient (laughs) indeed. So, um, but then you go back and back and they knew stuff and it's crazy. The expanded universe goes crazy. There's, (laughs) there's podcasts and all sorts of stuff. Actually, there was a podcast. Uh, Oh God, I don't remember what it was called. It came out. It was, uh, it was, it came out as we were building up to halo five um, and it was all about, uh, master chief and stuff. And, uh, like Microsoft produced this podcast series. I can't remember the name of it, but I'll, maybe I'll look it up after we listen to the song and, go, and tell you guys, but go out and listen to it. It's like, and, and it was like the top podcast for like six months while it was coming out. It was so awesome. is it like uh, audio stories? Yes. It's totally like an audio story told through two people's perspectives. Like one person, the first season, one person, the second season, it's all about master chief and how like, um, he was totally like basically the guy gets into the the fact of like the super soldier Spartan program. They were basically stealing children and putting that were like good candidates and putting these like um, 
kind of clones in their place that got sick and died right away. So like, <laughs> and it's like the, these, all this stuff. These garbage kids, these throwaway kids. Exactly, <laughs> right? And they were like, we wanted, at first they were like, we wanted to make them, like we could have made them healthy and live full lives, but then they were worried that would bring up too many questions and maybe the clones would meet their themselves one day so they made them specifically sick it was crazy it got into all this lore if they I'm, could I'm make totally humans on a that tangent didn't here. have any flaws why didn't they just make the soldiers yeah well I'm totally on a tangent here but it was <laughs> yeah they were it was a it was a great it's an amazing podcast series it's really good it's actually um the guy from Keen P Michael Keegan Key he's like the main oh yeah, yeah the main guy who tells the story in the first one really? he's, he plays a reporter that's um that's given the task to do like a, a bio on um, Master Chief so that's cool it's really cool but uh, <laughs> after we go on that massive tangent, but yeah, so at least it was a halo tangent though. Yes, it was <laughs> yeah, still a halo that tangent. That's, that's true. That's <laughs> Don't true. worry. When we get to me, we're going all <laughs> over we're the place. We're going all over the place. That's right. Um, but yeah, so the big spoiler of this game is everyone dies. And if you've read the novel Thanks. called Thanks the, for the heads fall, up on that one. <laughs> the, the novel called the fall of reach, it's pretty apparent. So what the covenant do, if you've played any of the halo games, uh, what they like to do is something called glassing planets where they basically fire massive plasma cannons from their ships onto the planet, turning everything into glass, basically melts the planet. And uh, so you play uh, Noble Six, who is a member of the elite noble team who's just recently replaced their fallen comrade. And the music we're going to listen to is called Lone Wolf, which is the uh, which was actually the trailer music um, that... Uh, was heard uh, when the game first, I think it debuted at E3, and this was the music that accompanied that trailer. So um, Marty O'Donnell uh, said that he kind of used this music as a jumping off piece for the rest of the music in the game. So uh, let's give it a listen, and uh, we'll come back and talk some more.
so yeah, to get back into it, um, Marty O'Donnell said that he wanted this game to have a, a more somber and visceral uh, feeling than the other Halo games because they're... Because be- everybody became glass. Exactly, yeah. He, just, because just most, most people knew going into this game that, you know, based on the novel called The Fall of Reach, probably not everybody's going to get off the planet. So <laughs> um, he wanted it to give a feeling of a sense of loss. This, this piece that we're listening to... Um, is more of a buildup because it's right at the beginning of the game. You're kind of joining the team. Uh, so it's you kind of flying in on a Pelican and then you get in a Warthog and you show up and everyone's like, the guy's like, I read your file. Even the parts Oni didn't want me to read. You look like a great soldier, but no more of that lone wolf stuff. He's like, understood. And then they take off and it's like, oh, it's so badass again. <laughs> so, um, so as I've been talking about uh, in all of the Halo uh, episodes that we've had is... Uh, the Halo, the amazing Halo uh, sound system that they used, like uh, they're in, in order to layer sounds and create unique and diverse sound throughout the game. Um, oh, one thing I wanted to mention, actually, before we go into that, you asked me last time, um, is there like a Halo theme? Yeah, yeah. And um, a theme song there is, of any kind. Yeah, and there is kind of the Halo theme song that, that appears in the first three games, and they actually completely left it out of this one. There's little suggestions of it in other pieces, but the Halo theme doesn't appear in this game, which okay. is just kind of an interesting One tip of the bit. only Halo games to not do that? Exactly, this yeah. This is like uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story of Halo games. Yeah, yeah it kind of <laughs> is. Like, uh, So what happened after Halo 3 was two extra games were made. So this and ODST, which was um, just kind of a side story uh, about the... Orbital drop shock troopers. <laughs> Have to slow down on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, basically, they're called that because they're these. Um, they're not Spartans, but they are like a higher class of soldier, and they're dropped into battle from orbit uh, from satellites. So they basically like send them out on a ship or a satellite, and then they like get in these pods and they crash into Earth. And sometimes they like actually specifically put them through like enemy tanks. Because, like, the, the pod that they drop in is so, like, indestructible that they'll, like, drop it into a tank oh, and then the so guy will pop out in the, the tank and jump out. It's pretty so awesome. it's like dropping a bomb and then you get out of the bomb. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. So, um, so yeah, those two games were made. So this is one of those spinoff games. Um, this Reach did a lot better than ODST, but Reach also got a much larger marketing push than ODST. But, um, yeah, to go back to the audio, the interactive audio system, uh, this one was much more complex. Um more complex than anyone before it. Uh, it gave them actually the ability to layer seven different layers of instrumentation. Um, so just specifically the music, they could have seven different layers so they could respond more subtly to changes in the player's behavior. So the way things would fade in and fade out and different instruments would be brought in and brought out, uh, was much more complex. Uh, Combat Evolved only had two layers of instrumentation. Um, they upgraded all the sounds and graphics for this game. So, um, but uh, Marty O'Donnell said he still wanted the sounds to be recognizable. So, if you love the sound of the the sniper rifle or the plasma grenade, like he didn't want it to sound different, but just better and bigger. Hmm. So that's what they did. Um, and then, like we talked about with Halo Three. Uh, this was another huge ad campaign. They didn't spend more on the marketing overall for Reach, but they did actually spend more on specifically the 
television ads for reach than they did. So they said it was more than 6.5 million because they didn't say how much it was, but they just knew it was oh. more than Halo 3. <laughs> so, so they cut back on uh, advertising on the chip bags and the Mountain Dew bottles. Yes, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of cut back on that more into the ads. And um, this may be, uh, Jordan, when you asked me about like a uh, live action movie, this may be what you were thinking of when you were th thinking of that because they produced uh, all these ads called Remember Reach. And um, they looked like, full Halo movies. Like they were 30 seconds or a minute or two minute spots. They produced a bunch of different ones. Some were of just of people on the planet reach, like the day it happens. Um, some were actually in the battle. Some were people remembering it, but it was all live action. They built full suits of armor. Um, they have one of the, um, the leader of noble team, noble one, like, you know, from a kid all the way to becoming the super soldier and like going through the surgery and all the crazy stuff. A profile is like brother who died. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, all sorts of crazy stuff, right? And I'm um, just making that up. That would be a horrible commercial. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, it's just funny that you say that because in other Halo stuff, they would have that, like they'd have the character and then they would talk about the guy who died kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, so they spent a lot on these and they were unbelievable. And this was stuff where I think there was a time like right around when Halo Reach was coming out, they were talking to... Um, Peter Jackson about actually making a Halo movie and that all fell apart. But... Um, people saw these ads and they were like, yeah, do it. This is awesome. <laughs> this is so exactly what we he, want. Correct but me if I'm wrong, but did not, didn't Peter Jackson do some like test footage or something? Yeah, like apparently he did. And I don't know if it was ever released or not, but, or it leaked out or not, but uh, yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't thought, really look I into that. I remember seeing this. some images on the internet, like back in the day. Okay. Yeah. Maybe there was a few just, just stills or something like that. So, uh, and as a result of all this fantastic advertising, uh, Halo reach had an even better first launch day than, um, Halo 3. So Halo 3 was 170 million. First day, US. Uh, Halo Reach was 200 million. So even a little more. So That's crazy. And it was, you know, best selling game of that month. Best, you know, sold a bunch of extra people, jumped on live for it. You know, it did, it did everything they wanted it to do. Was this the best selling Halo game ever? To uh, date? I think Halo 3 tilt still takes it to uh, like total sales. But um, in terms of like first day, yeah, it still is the best. Cool. The best one. So yeah, I, I don't know that they'll ever top it. The, uh, I was reading cause I might, I mentioned that I thought it was, um, uh, call of duty, modern warfare two that had the record. And I think it still does. It was 310 million first day. And so what about, uh, the GTA series? Is there something in there that might they've hold the had, title? They've had huge ones, but nothing, I don't think anything as big first day. Okay. Like it was just that, you know, the first day in and specifically in the U S right. Cause it's the U S market that has all these stats. Um, but yeah, I think like, U.S. first day. I still think Modern Warfare Two takes it, and that and that is still the record for any entertainment property of any kind. So, like, even though Star Wars has come out again and everything has come out again, nothing beat that three hundred ten million in the first day. Which, when you think about it, is ridiculous. At, at yeah. you know sixty bucks a game, like break it down. You're like, how many millions of people went out and bought that game on the first day? So. By the time we get to like Halo Seven and Eight, it'll be a mandatory purchase for everybody. <laughs> yeah. everybody, will, everybody will have the chip. They'll like you know they'll say yeah. Alpha Beta Seven Two Five, and everyone will just like yeah. turn on and it's walk to the, march to the stores. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. It's like that uh, horrible U two album that Apple pushed on everybody. It's oh. Just, yeah. oh yeah, downloading your favorite your brain. Your favorite. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be yeah, it'll be mandatory on the Xbox. Uh, what's the new one coming up? Scorpio. Scorpio. Yeah. yeah. So what's, uh, when, when did the last Halo game come out approximately? Well, the last one was Halo five and okay. that was only a year or a couple of years ago. So, cause it, it came out. Um, well, no, it didn't launch with the, it didn't launch with the Xbox one. I don't think, but it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Maybe 
maybe last year or the year before. Do you know if they were in production on the next one? I'm sure they oh, are. Oh, I'm sure they are. Yeah. Regardless. Well, well, actually, technically, the last Halo game in like the Halo franchise came out like uh, three days ago, <laughs> which oh. was Halo Wars 2. Okay. Um, that would be the last Halo thing that's come out, big game uh, launch that's come out. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm sure they're working on Halo 6 and 7 and 8 and 9. And yeah, they're, they probably... You know what I mean? Well, right. they've got a dedicated studio that only does yeah. that. Right? Yeah, yeah, like three, yeah, 343, three, that's really all they do. They're probably working on 6 and writing 7 and 8. Yeah, exactly. maybe they've already written them. Yeah. Yeah. And, they've got and, the young adult novels and they're just pulling from that <laughs> now. Yeah. yeah, and they've started to... Um, they've started going kind of expanded universe stuff where they're bringing in... Um, you know, for for the most most of the first games, it was all about Master Chief. And then we had uh, ODST and Reach, which weren't really about Master Chief directly. Um, and then 5 was again about Master Chief, but it had this other guy, uh, Sergeant Locke, who was basically sent to hunt down Master Chief because he had kind of gone... He kind of gone rogue. It's kind of the Captain America Civil War story where he's kind of like, I'm doing what I think is right, not what my government tells me is right sort of thing. So it became a whole, you know, side side story and stuff like that. So that one stood out to me. Like, I don't I also don't know much about Halo, but when yeah. I heard that story and that that game, like yeah. that backstory with going up against the master chef, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, that that's that's a pretty cool idea. Yeah. And I guess Halo 4 was about Master Chief as well. It, it follows him again, you know, battling this new this new ancient creature that is brought back to life yeah. by accident kind of thing. <laughs> and then he has to take him down. So it's pretty good. Once but it gets uh, into that occult territory and they start like putting scrappy do kind of characters. in there. <laughs> it's done, man. Yeah. Done. <laughs> All right. So Jordan, you want to go next? All right. Uh, Street fighter. Here we go. So kind of going to talk about street fighter five, but uh, going to come at it from a different angle. So about a year ago, street fighter five launched. It actually, what day is it today? The 20th. So almost 24th day. Yeah. So not that a long, y- yeah. a year ago and a week. Cause it came out on the 16th of February, 2016. Was it exactly? Oh, that's crazy. I think it was exactly because the story I'm going to start with <laughs> takes place the night before. Okay. So to set it up, this was the launch party, uh, per, uh, hosted by Capcom and mad cats for the street fighter five launch. So rewind the clock a little bit. There's hip hop recording artist Lupe Fiasco. I don't know if you guys are big hip hop fans or know who he is. (laughs) No idea. He's well known to to hip hop fans. Yeah, Lupe Fiasco is great rap name. (laughs) Yeah, actually it kind of sounds like he could be a Street Fighter character with a name like that. (laughs) It does (laughs) actually, yeah. Turns out he's a fan because um, I, I don't know initially how it started, but I think he had on Twitter made comments about Street Fighter. And one day a fan tweeted him and asked, do you ever watch Evo? Because Evo was going on. And he replied with, and I quote, only to study Daigo. And so for those that don't know, Daigo is the is the reigning Street Fighter world champion right Best now. Best in the world, yeah. Best in the world, or at least um, wins more than most people. Like the last tournament that, and his actual name is Daigo Umehara. He's, he's from Japan. He won his last really? tournament. <laughs> he's from Mexico. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to know. He's, uh, so he won his last tournament, but he's been competing since an, uh, about Street Fighter 3 era. He's been playing since 2D. He's been competing through Street Fighter 4, Ultra Street Fighter 4. He's been in Street Fighter 5. He wins more than he loses. He's one of the best in the world. He's Daigo the Beast is what they call him <laughs> yeah, in, in the fighting game community. And so for hip-hop recording artist uh, Lupe Fiasco to go on Twitter and say, 
I only watch Evo to study Daigo is like, okay, well, one, not only do you actually play and watch Street Fighter, but you know who the world champ is. Yeah. And so he's kind of in on, on yeah, the fighting game legit community. response. Yeah. 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 Totally. Everyone's like, you're a huge nerd and we yeah. all love you. So that, yeah. <laughs> so that obviously blew up and people were like, holy cow, this guy, this guy's legit when it comes to Street Fighter. The, one of the promotion guys that were uh, setting up the, the launch party for Street Fighter V got wind and invited Lupe Fiasco to come down to the launch party and compete against Daigo <laughs> in a one-on-one -on -one -on match. Uh, so I don't know have, if that's kind or cruel though. <laughs> yeah. Well, he said, uh, he, he pretty much said like, it would be an honor to lose to yeah. Daigo yeah. or actually he called him Daigo-san. <laughs> so he said, I would be an honor to lose to him. I will be there. My training begins right now. And he quit so, the rep business. <laughs> <laughs> he actually competed while he was on tour and, <laughs> and he wasn't, and it wasn't uh, coordinated with his schedule either. Mm -hmm. So he had to fly from wherever his tour was, go to where the tournament was taking place. And Daigo flew in from Japan and the two met. I, I believe the story goes that Daigo got off the plane half an hour uh, later. He was sitting down in the chair, getting ready to play. Oh, so that's a long flight. <laughs> the night before the launch of Street Fighter V, they're sitting down at this tournament and they play each other. And so everybody's watching. They got the usual commentators because if anyone knows, I know, I know Mike, you watch a lot of the Smash Bros and, yeah, and a yeah, few yeah. other things at Evo. Um, to anyone that isn't familiar, like they have commentators. It's like watching a big sporting event. So you yeah, have, you might as well be watching NFL football or whatever. Totally. Yeah. There's a crowd. There's people cheering. All the competitors are well known and followed online. They have nicknames. Um, yeah, they have little intros. It's totally like they're, <laughs> this is esports, yeah. so it's totally like sports. So let me guess, uh, Lupe Fiasco wins and is now the world champion. Well, this, this, this wasn't like, a, yeah, this wasn't like a no, for a title not, of any kind. This isn't kind. an official deal. So they sit down, they play, and Lupe actually wins. What? No, oh, really? He beat the world champion I guess at after, Street Fighter after 5. After a 24-hour yeah. flight and no sleep. Maybe, I, maybe he had what, a chance. Was it supposed that he was like pulling his punches a little bit? Maybe I would say if you asked anyone that's legit in the fighting community, they would all tell you that he pulled his punches. Okay. Yeah. I watched, yeah. I actually watched the fight. I, I can't say, I don't know how good Daigo is. Cause I don't, I don't watch a lot of his fights, but I was aware of who he was before researching the story. He was definitely pulling his punches because the announcers were even poking fun, uh -huh. like like as if he had forgotten everything he learned <laughs> oh, okay. from Street Fighter Four for a brief moment. But you have to also remember, um, Lupe does like for who he is. He's a you know he's a hip hop artist. That doesn't mean that he mm. can't play Street Fighter in his free time. He's actually pretty good. Like yeah. I wouldn't say he's tournament worthy, but he's he's he might be better than me for all I know. <laughs> he he was doing good. Um, neither of them had ever played Street Fighter Five yet. Yeah, because um, it hadn't come out yet. Hadn't right? come out yet, yeah. unless unless there was like um, a pre-release open I, beta or something. Yeah, because yeah. I think I think I, pay, I played the beta, but I can't remember how far in advance of the game it came out. But yeah, so so maybe they did play a bit. Yeah, but they could play a new game they've never touched before blindfolded and still beat me pretty handily. So yeah, yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. <laughs> and I've played. Yeah. That was uh, I thought you were going to go into the into a wizard thing there for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, game you've never seen before. Um, so they played. They it was it was an amazing event. Um. Actually, uh, a lot of camaraderie between the two. Lu Lupe actually gave him his jacket after he won. 
Um, turns out from watching the event, I, I didn't know how significant this jacket was, but he gave him this jacket that his friends made him, custom made him from Konami, and it had some relevance to Metal Gear Solid. So he like gave him this custom Metal Gear Solid jacket and uh, it's a two million dollar jacket. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just for the two to this, come this together is a and play. romance of the for the ages. Yeah. So that was really cool. It brought in a lot of like outsiders into the uh, the FGC as they call it, the fighting game community. So a lot of like fans of hip hop were reading these tweets online. There were actually other hip hop artists that were like you know sort of egging him on and getting in on like the you know the heat between the two of them. And then, of course, casual gamers are, are seeing these tweets between like a famous recording artist and like this supposed world champion going at it online. And it's like th <laughs> that in itself is a kind of a crazy story. So it brought in, it drew in a lot of people for the launch of Street Fighter V. Now, we'll talk a little bit later about what people thought about Street Fighter V when it first came out. But the the hip hop influence on Street Fighter has been kind of building up over the years. Like, uh, you know, the whole thing with Lupe Fiasco wasn't wasn't the the first thing that's ever happened. If you go back to the Street Fighter movie that came out back in the nineties, the uh, the movie soundtrack. Like, I don't I don't think this this was the soundtrack that was in the movie. But when they released a soundtrack to the public, like this is the official movie soundtrack. There were like tons of songs by Ice Cube and, and Nas and um, I have a list here. Uh, who else? Public Enemy, LL Cool J. Like original songs for the movie? So I don't know if they were original because I listened to a few of them and they were like, they didn't really tie into Street Fighter. Yeah. Like Ice Cube <laughs> has this song that's actually called Street Fighter. Has nothing to do with the game, but it's about like fighting ninjas and stuff. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> awesome. Maybe it was about the game, but he'd never played the game. So yeah, yeah he like, just somebody yeah. told him about this game called Street Fighter. He's like, That's he saw like a good one song. screenshot, yeah, and then like got a brief description and then wrote that song. Well, yeah. and and like he he thinks about ninjas. He talks about beating up Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee and uh, uh, even Jean Claude Van Damme, who was in the Street Fighter movie. So I found it really odd, you know, like. Uh, it doesn't matter really. It's just the fact that um, all these hip hop artists are included in a Street Fighter album. So it seems like Capcom from the beginning always had this like idea that like hip hop was sort of the the musical influence that Street Fighter should have. Um, so going through like um, I you know I could I could list endless amounts of of musicians that have referenced Street Fighter. Like I know there's a Kanye West album that just came out. And he steals the announcer VO um, when you win flawlessly in Street Fighter. He goes perfect, <laughs> and he like he has that, and he like sort of slides it into his songs after he does like a verse that's like you know a sick verse, and then it's like <laughs> perfect. You win. You win. I always I always prefer the flawless victory. The, the Mortal Kombat. <laughs> that's my favorite. Yeah. Um, and there's other artists like. You know, if you if you do a search for hip hop and Street Fighter, you'll find a lot of tie-ins. Um, so the last the last bit of hip hop I want to cover, and this sort of ties into where we're going to go with the song. A few years back, when we uh, when when Capcom was releasing the um, Street Fighter HD remix that we talked about at the beginning of the month, there was another album that was sort of tied into the release of that. It was called the Street Fighter Underground Remix Mixtape, and this was released for free online. Uh, PSN has it. Even right now, you could probably find it. And you just search for the Underground Mixtape. A free album. It's uh, a, a collaboration of different hip-hop artists coming together. And I feel like out of all the hip-hop music that's tied in with Street Fighter, this is probably the best because they actually took the time to sing about Street Fighter <laughs> or rap about Street Fighter versus like the Ice Cube song and, and a few other things. Um, yeah, so really cool. Like they, they got some some really good hip hop artists, DJ Qbert, 
hieroglyphics, um, and the DJ artist Cubert. DJ Cubert. That's a great name. Yeah. <laughs> and then Video one other artist. Video game references abound. What's that? Video game references. Abound. So many. They're, the tie-ins are so strong. <laughs> and then one other artist that we're going to listen to right now. This is Redman and his song "Lay You Out," featuring. Oh no! Let's take a listen. Right beside you, sizing up them riders that think they can live up. Y'all ain't live up, y'all chunks dead on the rival. I round house too soon as the sound goes. I go psycho, somatic, damn it, it's Michael, Michael. Automatic and damage your life. So if anybody wanna come test out the ox, watch. I put a big star on your chest just like the got got. Let my second hand grab you in the hot box and throw you all into the door looking for more knocks. Knock, knock, it's Doc, knowing the funk Doc. Brick City, Ox City, running the spot hot. I'll cap ball till they caps off. Cap like a cap ship. The smash off. Get him. Get him. Yeah. My crew don't fuck around. We'll lay you down. It can be any round. The clock is moving now. We'll lay you down. You can hear the sound. My crew don't fuck around. We'll lay you down. In the Cadillac where I rock my music With an attitude poor and ruthless All in the hood, baby, acting stupid Boy, you're useless I keep greener than Baca I lay them on their back to the clock It's time, oh, yeah You wanna fight, then line up It's like Terminator looking for O'Connor It's not for minors It's only for the pros Oh, no, hit them high Hey, yo, Doc, hit them low I can smell beef when I walk through the dough That's why I carry the K like I'm solo Yeah, bro you want problems? I get to you and run back. Tell your block what I did to you. Put your ear to it and get stumped out. Street fighter boy, nobody pull guns out. Let's go. My crew don't fuck around. We'll lay you down. It can be any round. The clock is moving now. We'll lay you down. You can hear the sound. My crew don't fuck around. We'll lay you down. Did you, didn't you say you were going to tell us what, uh, you must defeat Shenlong? Oh, and I never got back to it. Yeah. Um, which was, oh, and it was, you must defeat Dragon Punch. Yeah. And then he said you were going to get into it. Oh. Tell me what it is. Okay. So 
Well, that was literally the story right there that sh uh, you must defeat Shanglong to stand a chance was mistranslated to you must defeat my dragon punch. Sorry, other way around. Yeah. So um, when people in North America first saw you must defeat Shanglong to stand a chance, they were like, who is Shanglong? And uh, it was only later that they found out that it was a mistranslation, but that didn't stop fans from speculating pre-internet time into thinking that there was a hidden character called Shanglong. And then there was an April Fool's joke, which fueled this. And I don't remember where it started, if it was GamePro Magazine or EGM or Nintendo Power or what, but um, I believe a magazine company uh, had released fake photos and, and information on Shenglong and how to get him <laughs> by doing some ridiculous feat in the game. Like, you know, like everyone knows Mortal Kombat. If you, you know, a similar thing where you have to defeat like every character flawless, double fatality and like hold a certain button at a certain time and like all this stuff that like almost nobody will ever be able to do to get a certain thing unlocked. Well, that was the Street like, Fighter you version You want to see Reptile? This. You've got to like play the whole game with your eyes shut and yeah. push all these <laughs> button combinations between every round. Yeah, no, that was totally it with yeah. Mortal Kombat that and Street Fighter I think um, had their own version which turned out to be an April Fool's joke. See not knowing anything about the Street Fighter lore at any given time I actually always thought that Shang Long was uh, Akuma. No. That, but that was actually like his you real thought that name. was the mistranslation well, was that well, no, Shenlong? I just thought that was his real name because back when I was actually playing Street Fighter Akuma wasn't even a character. Oh, so okay. peripherally when Akuma was actually revealed as being like this you know, almost, I don't, I don't, I don't super know his evil. backstory, but he's super evil and he's basically of the same fighting school as well, that, like Ryu and Ken. And, and that makes sense because the backstory with Shang Long was Ryu and Ken's master. Exactly. So, so I yeah. always thought that that's why he was Shang Long was because he had, he was like yeah. the master it of seems that very whole logical. school. Well, and right? I don't know if, uh, Capcom, if you're listening, you know, get <laughs> on that. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know Fix if the Lord on that nonsense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they did eventually release um, the identity of Ryu and Ken's true master, uh, Guken, I think is how you, you say it. And, um, Hadouken? Because, uh, no, Guken. I know. Or Goken? Just, I'm just messing. <laughs> I think it's probably Goken because, uh, Akuma's name in Japanese is Goki. So you have okay. Goki and Goken and, uh, they're brothers actually. So Ryu and Ken's master's brother is Akuma. So <laughs> you're, you're, you know, you weren't far off on your, uh, you know, what you thought there. My ridiculous non-fan speculation, <laughs> crazy conspiracy theory nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, to bring it back to street fighter five. So, um, they've, uh, it had a bit of a cold reception when it first came out. There was a lot of, a lot of heat, like a lot of fans were, had issues myself included. I actually got the game the, the night it came out. Um, story mode sucked. knowing, <laughs> no, knowing full well, because obviously I'm a diehard street fighter fan. I, I bought it knowing that there were a few things missing or not finished yet, but I think out of most and in Capcom's been on a bad streak for doing stuff like this, uh, when they released street fighter cross tech and there was on disc DLC and they had that blow up in their face. Fans were pretty pissed off about that. Street fighter yep. five was not on a good track. It, uh, you know, it was missing a few things like arcade mode. Um, it had a few features that nobody really liked or thought were too difficult or pointless. A lot of DLC that came right off the bat that was like, really, you you have all this DLC ready to go, but yet the game's not finished. And they're continuing to pump out all this DLC to this day, still not addressing all of the problems, yet they have adjusted a few things. I do think the game is worth the money now, but when it first launched, I... I you know, would argue that a little bit. Yeah, it probably wasn't. I, it, it was kind of like a poorer version of the last Smash Bros. launch. Yeah. Where, like, the last Smash Bros. launch, they were like, 
here's a full awesome game. And everyone was like, fantastic. And then it was like DLC, DLC, DLC for months and months. And it was all paid stuff, yep. but it was all great. It was new characters, new stages, good yeah. fun stuff. But yeah, th- with the Street Fighter V, they were like, here's a beta of our game. And in six months, it'll be a full game. Yeah. yeah. And you have to pay like, for all the extra stuff? Yeah. There's <laughs> so much opportunity for the whole DLC model to be abused. Yeah. And, like, and they, that was a good example of abuse. Of how not to do it. Yeah. 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 Um, they're, you know what? The, the problem is, is that uh, people like myself, uh, <laughs> they buy this garbage. <laughs> Pre-order and buy, and buy <laughs> they, first day. They yeah. buy it and they show Capcom that, you know, even though we're going to complain, matter. even though we're complaining, we're still throwing money at you. Yeah. I hate you here. Take all my money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know, they, they, they've taken it all in like a lot there. There is some good that comes out of it because they've sometimes they release uber expensive DLC, but then they, they say, okay, here's very cool, very expensive DLC that nobody's forced to buy. But if you do the proceeds go to funding the tournaments. So that's pretty cool. They have some exclusive stuff that's up for a limited time. And yeah, like, um, you're not going to want to throw down like 10 bucks for a level to play in when the game costs you like 50 or 60. Right. Um, but knowing where the money's going is kind of a good thing. It helps fund those tournaments and, uh, and the community is really big because of it. Yeah, so exactly. It helps build the community, right? Yeah. Um, so they, they've sort of adapted the, the seasons model that some fighting games have done. I, I don't know who the first was, but I know the first time I had heard of it was Killer Instinct. When they came out with a new one a few years back, they announced season one, season two, now they're on three. Um, so I like that idea because Street Fighter has such a bad reputation for coming out with like Street Fighter V, Turbo, Championship Edition, <laughs> Ultra, whatever. Like stop doing that. I like the seasons. Just keep it the same game so I don't have to rebuy it. Um, I'm fine with the DLC. Just leave the, the versions alone. So we're on season two of Street Fighter V right now. A uh, new character comes out this week as of the uh, airing of this episode. Her name is Colleen. And when Street Fighter launched her uh, character trailer a few weeks back, our old friend Lupe Fiasco, he did the, the title track for her for her character reveal. So <laughs> That's awesome. again, a nice little tie-in back to Lupe and his love for Street Fighter and, uh, and hip-hop. Hmm. Yeah, that's a perfect place to wrap it up. There you go. <laughs> All right. Aaron, what do you All got right. for us this week, buddy? What do I got? I, I Wait, mean, let me guess. Oh. Is it the fourth Fantasy Star? It is. There are four <laughs> games in the main Fantasy Star series. Oh, and, fantastic. And how, how great did that just work out? That, yeah. You know, four episodes, four games. It was a good one. It was so, a good pick. So we're talking about Fantasy Star 4, end of the millennium. As I mentioned in the previous uh, episodes, every thousand years, Dark Force comes back to threaten humanity with his evil and, you know, general badness. So <laughs> I'm that dark force. Damn that dark force. So this uh, for end of millennium, this was the this was the opportunity to wrap it up for for good. Like we must defeat dark force completely. And in it, you actually, I, I believe, and again, I, it's been a while since I played this, but I don't want to l- do any research because I want to play it again and actually <laughs> yeah. have it be a surprise. <laughs> yeah. See, that's the great thing is you enough time passes and I forget enough that it's like playing the game brand new for the yeah. Yeah. So what you're well, saying with is, the game this deep and this long, right? It's it's not it's not hard to forget stuff. Exactly. And this was, this was a really big game. This was yeah. like, like most of the fantasy star games, they were like pushing the limits of what the console could actually do. And this was a great return to form for the series from three, which I mentioned was a little bit of the odd duck in the series. It was like, it sounded it, really cool though. Yeah. It sounds really cool, but it like takes place in another solar system. The graphics had totally changed from two, like you everything three times. Felt, yeah. You d- <laughs> the animation <laughs> no, changed. You well, said, yeah. The weird thing is like they mentioned in that ad that I talked about how you like grow married. Up, get married and die three times. Yeah. But you play through the thing and like 
the character you played in the first generation doesn't really die. It's like you go to the next generation and he's like your dad. And then like you just assume he dies of old age then. (laughs) But you can go back and visit him anytime. He's just hanging out in this cave over here and (laughs) where everybody's dad should be living. (laughs) (laughs) I think at one point, one of the cities gets overrun. Dad, it's time to go to the cave. (laughs) (laughs) I think because they're all royalty, everyone in the game is like royalty. (laughs) So why would he live in a cave? At some point, it's a fancy cave. Okay. I think they get kicked out of the castle. It gets overrun. Monsters. (laughs) Their only choice is cave. (laughs) Well, and in Fantasy Star 3, everything was either a cave or a town. Like, you have no other choice. All right. Or, like, a satellite for some reason. (laughs) It's still funny. Yeah. So, but in this one, it's like, not only do you defeat Dark Force, but, spoiler alert, you defeat, like, the source of what created Dark Force, essentially. So, this is like... Once you defeat what created Dark Forest, he can never come back, and this is the end of the actual series. So Very cool. So this is the wrap-up. This is the wrap-up. This is a really good one. This came out in uh, 1993 in Japan, in 1995 in North America, and the music was once again like Fantasy Star 3 by Itsuo Takeuchi. Does he, I forget, does he have a fun name like the other ones? Ippo. Ippo, there's Ippo. Bo and Ippo. Yeah, that, that was Ippo again. Ippo is oh, easy yeah. to remember because it sounds yeah. like Hippo. Yeah. <laughs> and Itsuo, again, uh, female composer for the series. Yep. So. Cool. And uh, Fantasy Star 4 also continued the very awesome tradition of having absolutely terrible, terrible box art cover oh. with like goofy looking fantasy characters. More, almost more like van art. More van art. But yeah. here is the great thing about <laughs> Fantasy Star 4 is that... The art was actually done by a renowned artist who okay. does that style of fantasy art, like the van art stuff. His name is Boris um, uh, Vallejo. Okay. Vallejo. Did he do like, he did a bunch of novel covers and stuff like that too? Because like, that's he, where yeah, a lot of like, that stuff came yeah, from, like right? Yeah, like movie posters and book yeah. covers and, and that kind of stuff. And so like you can Harlequin look up- Harlequin novel covers. <laughs> yeah, like look up Boris Vallejo and it's like, you know- Tons of stuff. It's like- Scantily clad, super muscly barbarian woman with like snakes wrapped around yep. with swords. Yep. Oh, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, what's his name? Hildebrandt uh, Brothers? No, no, I'll, it'll come back to me later. Yeah, but it's like he is he is a well-known artist for doing that exact same style, which is so weird that it always had this like terrible, goofy van art style. Yeah. But then they got a renowned, famous fantasy artist. They're like, we're going to make it. this legitimate. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't make it look any more like the actual characters in the game. No, they it still, was still looked ridiculous. Like, yeah, they still yeah. looked like super goofy fantasy covers but uh it, you know the cover art and it was never a reflection on how awesome these games actually were yeah so this is i and this just says it says it in my notes one of the finest jrpgs ever made and i believe that. I t- i'm taking your word for it yeah <laughs> yeah i will too <laughs> and and that was like it it took everything that was good about fantasy star and all of the previous games and just totally refined it well, and, and you said you said last week that uh, the, the week before the last two weeks um, they got the combination right of like battle scene animation yeah. and like music and everything exactly. in this version. In this version, where yeah. they finally it had similar like overworld art style to Fantasy Star Two, so it kind of had a great callback to the way that looked. But the graphics were improved overall, the character portraits, and it had all these great like anime comic book style cutscenes yeah. where you would have like actual pictures of the characters acting out the scenes and it wasn't animated, but as animated as you could get on the Genesis, right? Yeah. So you had like all throughout the entire game, these great cutscenes and had a really like involving and emotional story. It, you know, I, I, I kind of fell out of the final fantasy series, but like to me, this was like the final fantasy killer was this series. Yeah. This is the one that people should have been paying attention to when they were paying attention to final fantasy, but final fantasy got all the recognition. Wasn't this kind of created to be that? Well, I mean, here's the thing is like I mentioned for fantasy 
for the very first Fantasy Star is that they were in development at the same time. And I have no idea yeah. what the awareness level was. Okay, of, but I can see like the Sega executives going like, Nintendo's got something cooking <laughs> over there and we need to, we need to, you know, yeah, that's, Compete, that's basically. entirely possible. Yeah. But I mean, the release date, they both released in December of, uh, what? let me check my year, 1987. Yeah. So they came out the same year. And I can't imagine that there was a, I don't know if there was a ton of like espionage between Sega I don't know, and man. Back, in, the, back, back in those days, there was a lot though. You know, you've read oh, the books, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, they were competing hard and like, I'm sure. They were trying you know, to bury each other. Oh yeah. yeah and yeah. I'm sure somebody knew somebody, a little money under the table. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, you hear some cra- crazy, almost spy James Bond like stories about oh, what was sure. going on. And yeah. I, you know, I'm just going to do a quick plug for the book that I read. Uh, it was called Game Over. Yeah. And it's basically the history of Nintendo tracing their history all the way back to like, they were actually a samurai family. Um, and when they were actually started a hundred years ago, well, over a hundred years ago. So they came from this like samurai lineage and it traces like that entire family, the Yamauchi family up to uh, Hiroshi Yamauchi, who was the past president of Nintendo before Iwata. Yep. So yeah. It's, uh, it's actually a super interesting story and all like the cloak and dagger stuff that happens in that book make it a really weirdly thrilling read. So, yeah, it's a great book. Yeah. I, I uh, The one I read was Console Wars, which I've also talked about on the podcast yeah. before. And but the, they, they cover got, a lot of the same territory as well. They do. And if you haven't read both books, go read them. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> now, this game, Fantasy Star 4, um, cost an unusual sum of $100 at, Ooh, at release. This so is one of those pricey games. Very pr- pricey, yeah. And I, I'm trying to think back. In today's I, dollars, too, it would be... Even more, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Way like, more. Did you, you have to? You're paying uh, a premium for this for this game. Did you have to beg your dad to go down to the states and get this one too? <laughs> Not for this one. Was okay. this one Canada? This one was released in Canada at the so same time. So three did three, three never get a no, Canadian three release? Did but okay. I was just crazy obsessed. Yeah, was the thing. Oh, so you so wanted, wanted day one. I needed it day one. I needed it like, and of course I didn't get it day one. Day one wasn't even a concept back in the day when you were just learning That's about true, games actually, in, yeah. in magazines. Not until right? Sonic Two did like games start to have like reliable releases. So yeah, yeah, and I'm almost. I, I'm, I can't verify this, but I'm pretty sure that Fantasy Star 3 was another like premium price game. It was probably a $100 game at the time as well. Wow. And that just brings back memories of me paying like $90, $95 for Quest 64 when it came yeah, out. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I only remember 64 games being like ludicrously expensive. Yeah. And it, like Quest 64, because it was the big RPG that was supposed to be like, this is the new RPG series for the N64. This is the one. And, oh, and I don't know if anyone knows the history of <laughs> Quest 64, but man, that is just a garbage game. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard not just so awful. Good. But Fantasy Star 4, like I said, was a total refinement. It it put like battle macros, so like just getting through battles where you could like set macros for your characters and everything was like speedier, walking on the overworld was faster. Everything was like it took all those weird clunky mechanics that every that had been in all the previous Fantasy Star games and made an absolutely slick game. You can buy this game on the virtual console and I totally oh, wow. recommend so it's just game. totally polished up. Totally polished up. That's cool. Fantastic game. <laughs> Weird note on this that I found was that in Electronic Gaming Monthly's review of Fantasy Star 4, yep. they actually called the music irritating. Oh, <laughs> that they was didn't what, like the music. They didn't like it. That's what they had to say about Fantasy Star 4. I love this music. I think this is like the pinnacle of like Genesis music. It is probably my favorite Genesis soundtrack of all the Genesis games that I ever owned. Yeah. but I got to say, I actually, I wanted to say this. Uh... You know, I always, for the intro-outro music, I always take the first game we talk about, and that becomes the intro-outro music as well. And I started going through, because you were first last time, the Fantasy Star 3 music. Fantastic soundtrack. Oh, yeah. There's there's <laughs> tons of gold in there. Yeah, I was grooving pretty hard to your soundtrack last week. It was good. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Now, I also admit that with this song, which is called The End of the Millennium, this is the title track of the song, I'm cheating a little bit, and I admit I'm guilty of uh, that I 
previously on the podcast had played the end credits music. For oh, this. for this game? Okay. And they're very similar thematically. Yeah, that's all right. But, and, and I'm, Can't have and enough I, of a good thing. Exactly. When I, was, <laughs> when I was picking music for that one, I was like, I, I literally for hours listened to like the intro theme and the end credits theme. And I'm like, which one do I pick? This one or that? Oh, one. so this both, is this is your chance to. So this uh, is my chance to bring to bring that one. Of back. our four listeners, I'm sure only one of them noticed. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and also, when, three of them are us. Uh, <laughs> and I mentioned what I, I, like how this game is is a great refinement of the series. But weirdly, when this game came out, it was not received very well universally. Like it actually received very very mixed reviews, and only in like retrospective reviews, so modern reviews of uh, this game, is it like widely widely praised. But at the time. I guess not so much. Maybe RPGs just weren't... Uh, Other than the irritating music you're going to play for us. <laughs> exactly. Um, what else did people not like about it? <laughs> you know, I no, no, I couldn't find any specific... It just you, yeah. So you just saw scores, basically? I just saw, I just saw basically scores, and okay. they were basically and saying they were all reviews over the place. were mixed okay. of, this, uh, of the game, which hmm. is just strange to me because I played this game at launch, and I loved it. But I almost think it was just that when this game came out, I don't think RPGs were... It was kind of like a time between RPGs. It was like between the time of like the, the Final Fantasy greats on the Super Nintendo and it, Final Fantasy VII had not yet obviously hit on like the PlayStation. So this so, was like the end of the 16-bit generation? Yes. The so end of people the were starting generation. to get hyped for 3D stuff. I so think maybe so. they were getting tired of it a little. Yeah, this was a late, this was a late edition Genesis game and this yeah. was a big one for both me and I think I mentioned on a previous podcast for my brother as well. Like yep. who you said that he really his, got into this, this his game. His username is? His, based on the main character of the yeah. series, Chaz. Ashley, so yeah. so this game actually was probably out when the PS One was. Are you, are you? Do you well, know that? Do you know when the PS One came out? Well, what year is? I said this came out North American ninety five. Well, the N sixty four was like ninety six. Yeah, think. yeah. But I think people were probably seeing screenshots for three D games starting to come out. Oh, absolutely. So. There would have been there would have been hype in your Electronic yeah. Gaming Monthly where they hate the music on this game and praise whatever garbage. And I think sixty four. Yeah, was. people were definitely aware when, of three D. Sorry, games. when did it come out? Ninety five. Ninety five. Uh, the same year, uh, so, PlayStation One came out. Yeah, in North America, September 9th, nineteen ninety five. Yeah, and all I was and it was funny because because this was so late in the Genesis life cycle is that. My Genesis had a very slow deterioration over me owning it, where occasionally, like, a game would just freeze up. It would, like, the image would freeze, and it would, like, hold on whatever note was playing in the music oh, at the time. I hated that. It was the worst. And it got to the point where, like, you'd bump the table, and it would do that. It, oh, yeah, it's so delicate. Like, oh, you had to play and, like, lock the door because, like, no one could come in. You couldn't even shake the cord too hard because, yeah. like, it would cause... And it, <laughs> I don't know exactly I what you're talking about. It even got to the point where... You couldn't really start up the game. Like, you'd turn it on, and it would get to the Sega title screen, yeah. and then it would freeze. Yeah. But um, me and my brothers discovered that if you were, like, pushing the cartridge, putting pressure on the cartridge in a certain way, it would actually start and stay yeah. that way. So I remember playing Fantasy Star 4 and balancing, like, encyclopedias and stuff on, on top the, of the Genesis, the oh, and, like, yeah. <laughs> working up these weird contraptions to hold the cartridge yeah. in place and just so it wouldn't freeze. Classic. And it's yeah. actually, it's one of the things people really criticized the Genesis for was that it didn't have an eject button like the Super Nintendo. Yeah, but and the Super Nintendo didn't need it. It just put it on. I know, but they said that the pro one of the problems it caused is that when people pulled out the games... The pins. The, yeah, you yeah. would basically... If you didn't pull it out perfectly vertically, you would flex the pins one way or the other, and after repeated usage, and everybody's always pulling out games, popping them in the back in that era... Um, that sort of stuff would happen. Yeah. You would wear the pins, and then usually what happened with those little bumps is you'd get a slight disconnect, and mm. then that slight disconnect froze things up, right? Because yeah. if you don't have a constant stream of data on those old systems, 
you're done. Exactly. And <laughs> yeah. I even remember a few years ago, I actually dismantled my Genesis to see if I could fix the problem, yeah. push the pins back into place. And I'd, after fiddling with it for a while, I never was able to actually fix the problem. Fix it, the problem, it yeah. Continue to go. I think if I actually replaced the pin connector in my Genesis, it would be fine. But yeah. As I think I mentioned to you guys, is I don't know where my Genesis is. It's like yeah. disappeared to the, to the ages. ages and you're 64 too. Yeah. Yeah. I just disappeared. I still have my Sega CD. There's a box a, of the Sega CD. Console Gremlins. <laughs> yeah. CD yeah, exactly. I was going to say, yeah, he's got like, you know, you lose the sock in the washer. Yeah. yeah. He's missing I his still have, Aaron loses consoles. <laughs> I still have the controller. I still have the Sega CD. I still have all the games. Yeah. It's just where the hell is You'll the system You'll have to bring your itself? Sega CD to my house and then we can plug it in and try games. <laughs> if I if I can get my hands on a Gen, on a gen 1 Genesis, I'll give you my number two. Because oh. Mike, and I, Mike and I recently yeah. learned that the Gen 1 has a better audio sound chip. Ooh, yes. Slightly better. Slightly better. Mine, mine was Gen One. Was like, it? I was had, it? Oh, okay. Mine I was only the ever one had with the, the big, Gen like, round yeah. disc on the front with that I little had, slider on the front. Yeah, <laughs> I had Gen what One. What was that slider even for? I, I don't know. There I, was like a volume slider, and there was because well, there was there was a headphone jack. There was a headphone on jack. It. Oh. Yep. that's what it was. Yeah, Damn, that'd be awesome. Didn't they have like a? You put like <laughs> I'm really double, reaching. You put like D batteries in that thing and yeah. walk down the street <laughs> because people were saying you could use it as like a portable CD player. So what you do is you do that, yeah, and then you hook up the Sega CD, yeah, and you get like twelve. 12 D batteries or whatever, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and then you get like a utility belt to hold it all. And you then think you... the Genesis was touchy. The Sega CD, like, cause it was like early CD oh. reading technology. Oh, yeah. You bumped that even a little bit and it was just a mess. And well, of course, because I had the hell out of your disc probably. Yeah. And because I had the gen one Genesis, it was big and it was wide. Right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you attached it to the Sega CD and that widens it even more. Like yeah. when you had, and it had a huge base piece that was at least like an inch and a half thick yeah. to hold that whole thing <laughs> Not together. to mention all the separate power adapters you needed for them. Exactly. Yeah. Once you had that whole thing together as a, as a single piece, it was just this like monstrous... Like 12, 12 or 13 cables coming <laughs> out the back. <laughs> Yet, despite all that, I still loved it because, I mean... You mentioned it, it It actually had like a CD player built in. Yeah. And what you could do is you could actually load the music player and put in a lot of games. Yeah. And, and you just could actually listen play to the, music. the music from the, the soundtracks. Games. And yeah. that's how I was used to listen to the Monkey Island soundtrack because the original Monkey Island actually came out on the Sega CD as well. Yeah. One of the very few games that I still have. I can list all my Sega CD games like on one hand. It's like Tomcat Alley, which is like a Top Gun ripoff, Sewer Shark, um, Jurassic Park, uh, Monkey Island. Like that's it. Just that's four all games. I've got. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you Bought that ridiculously overpriced oh, accessory nope. for four games. I have one more that I always forget about. I have Lethal Enforcers, which <laughs> the light gun game from the yeah. arcade, yeah, yeah, which yeah. comes with like a huge, massive it's revolver. It's like a revolver, right? And yeah. it's blue? It's blue. Yes. And it's called The Enforcer. And it says right on it in huge letters, The Enforcer. <laughs> that's so, hilarious. So well, okay. as so promised, if I can we ever get that a... connected, I, you know, I'll, that's right, we'll, yeah. we'll play Lethal Enforcers. That's sure. right. As promised, we went on a nice long tangent. But <laughs> tell us about... so. The song is called? The song is called End of the Millennium. All right. And so this is the title track from Fantasy Star 4, End of the Millennium.
come back to um, reviews and you said that the song, the music was irritating. That's what EGM said. Now, do you remember the reviews for EGM and how awesome they were? Like the, do you uh, mean with the faces? Yes, yes. the faces. <laughs> so if it was like an excellent game, it was like red and the head was yeah. like getting Super electrocuted. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm sure the music probably got like, it was like a blue, a baby blue square with a face a that looked sad, like it was like a sad, sad brownie or, face or sleepy or something like that. Yeah, I would love to go back and see. I don't know if anyone's keeping like, a record has gone back and like scanned reviews from EGM. They need an archive of this stuff because I would love to read the original review. Yeah, I don't think there's a full magazine archive, but I think um, I think when their website went down, one of the other websites said like we will host your website, like host all the old reviews and stuff. Hmm. So people at least uh, from the time they went online till the time they shut down, uh, they have that. Huh. So I, I, admit, I miss EGM as a magazine and as as a website. So. Yeah, yeah it was good. a sad day for a lot of people when they yeah. went out of business. I remember um, Greg Miller, one of my favorite uh, internet personalities, like EGM it was kind of the reason he became a uh, video game reviewer. And like, you know, it was all his inspiration. When that closed, it was like, I think he remember he said he like came home and talked to his wife or girlfriend. And he was like, it was a bad day. Like, it's like, like somebody died. Basically, day, yeah. yeah. It was like someone you loved died because it was like such a huge part of your life, right? Yeah. Do you remember? Um, Even though they called it irritating. So I, I'm not going <laughs> to forgive They're forgive them now. Yeah. No, yeah. They're, they're not. No, they're I was going to say, do you remember the editors, like the writers for EGM at the back of the magazine when they would, uh, when, when they would like sort of list the credits of, of the staff and all of their profile pictures were just like, not them. It was just like random <laughs> goofy things like video game characters and, and other such. I don't remember that, but I remember, I remember in like the last page of every EGM was like a comic. It was like Dan and Sue. The Sue. Okay. I don't remember it was that. Like, it was like uh, the two Asian guys and they were, <laughs> oh, and they would basically like, it was, it was just, it was almost like a web comic. It was like starting. the precursor to the web comic. And yeah. it was a web comic about these two guys who would just like go through game worlds or interact with that games or talk familiar. about games. Even yeah. I think they were actually either developers or reviewers Okay, in the comic. And you know, it was wacky, but those were good times. Yeah, it was. Good times. <laughs> All right. So another fun tangent, but <laughs> to finish up this episode, but it is episode four of the series, which means nervous. <laughs> they know what's coming. It means it's time to play our new game. Name that tune, which isn't really a new, a new idea, but, it's our spin on it. So as requested by one Aaron Belauchuk <laughs> is we wanted. So Aaron said last time after we played the game that he thought that the music should be even shorter, like even shorter samples, but just more iconic. So not so obscure stuff with a longer sample, yeah. but a more iconic game, but with an even shorter sample. So we've gone from three seconds to 1.5 seconds and we may shorten it even further but <laughs> it's be like uh, three notes man 1.5 yeah. seconds is, a lot, of, is a lot of silence in the podcast so um but i'll just have to do some uh, creative editing but uh anyway so we will start with our first game here and let me make sure i have the right one yes okay. oh, i gotta pretend like i'm on a game show here like yeah. jordan's doing he's got his paper all folded over oh yeah like he's oh yeah jordan's protecting <laughs> no his cheating. answers so uh just to remind everyone what we're looking for is the name of the game uh, the name of the track or the level uh, that it's from, and the composer. Those are the three possible points. So if you're listening at home, you can play along. Yeah, you can play along. And uh, uh, Norm suggested, because he played it last time, if these guys, I don't think it's going to happen this time, but if these guys don't get it, um, an extra contest entry, uh, which we'll talk about in a bit, is would be to name it, name the song. But... I don't know if that really works because I'm going to tell you at the end of the podcast. Anyway, yeah, but. yeah. I was just saying because, well, you could just tell us if we're wrong. I could just tell you if you're wrong. But, but if we get them all right, then it's, you know, easy for everyone. Then it's easy for everyone. But anyway, <laughs> uh, 
So sorry, the name of the game, the name of the song, and the name the of the game, uh, the name of the song, or the level that it appears on, and uh, the name of the composer. So for a possibility of three points per three points per song. Okay. All right. Game level <laughs> composer. Yeah. I love how serious you guys are taking this. This is great. <laughs> totally. All right. So here we go. The first clip. I'm in, I'm in trouble. Jordan's taking this way more seriously. <laughs> you guys will both kill this one. 1.5 seconds. Here we go. Do you even need a second listen? No. No, I didn't think so. All right. Hold on. I just. Yeah, no, we'll give you time to write it down. No problem. So, all of very iconic stuff. Um,. The composer is always for me like the bonus, the uh, the bonus point. If you can get that one, that's that's a tough one, because some of these composers have crazy Japanese names. Yeah, Jordan's probably got a better memory for <laughs> for that than I do. Yeah, I think so. No. I'm just gonna make up a Japanese name. <laughs> you just make up like you just shorten it. You're like it's a uh, bow. Yeah, and you're exactly. Like <laughs> Music was by. And I was like, that's, that's not right. And you're like, well, that was his nickname. Yeah. <laughs> you probably didn't know. All right. Okay, I'm ready. You guys ready for number two? Go. All right, here comes number two. <laughs> and there's number three, too. Can, can you replay the... Yeah, I'll just, just the two. Yeah. There you go. That's all you get. 1.5 seconds, nice and short. <laughs> Silence while they scribble furiously. I'm just going to fill time. Talk about what's happening in my life. No, but know, it, it I, is I, getting. I have to say, it. That, it's that sounds different to me, though. Yeah, yeah. This one's a bit. Uh, this one's a bit of a uh, tricky one. Tricky uh, one. But I don't want to give you too many too many hints. All right. I'm ready whenever. <laughs> You're such a big Donkey Kong fan, and I'm, I'm impressed. But anyway, what? Uh, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't. I don't need to change my. Just answer gave that one away. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I'm, uh, I'm just watching Jordan to see if he's changing his yeah, answer. No, no, he's no. okay. But anyway, uh, oh, totally gave that one away. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll get better at being a game show host. Uh, here comes the last one. Can you play that again? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> All right. Was that just the three? That's it. Yes. Okay, just well, three. Th just three. I, I know so I lost. Let me let me write down. No, the names. you no, you didn't. <laughs> I can't come on. I can't make it. I think we can agree on the, more fran the franchise. Yeah. All right. For so uh, we have to go back and forth, I guess. Right. Um, so track one, uh, the game was Mega Man two. I oh. wrote. Uh, did you write two? I do have two. Okay. All I right. Wrote, yeah. So yeah. We both, both okay. wrote two. Yeah. Both get a point there. The track was the boss select track. I yeah. do have boss select. All right. I just called it stage intro, but that's what it is. I have boss select stage it's, intro. It's bo not boss select though. It's after you select the boss. Yes. Well, it's still it's not, you're yeah, still on the, the boss select screen. screen. No, because you hit it and yeah. then it goes to the transition yeah, where it show shows the, the guy. The name of the boss. And that's where it is. So I'm calling that that stage, stage intro. intro boss select. I'll give but, you. I'll right. give it. I'll give it to you. For that, both. that should count. Yeah. Oh yeah. They both count. I'm just giving you a hard time because <laughs> Mike said what I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then the composer, Steve. <laughs> Popo. <laughs> <laughs> Takashi Tateshi. You yeah. should know that. You've talked about I know, it. They, I they know. called him I Popo, know. though. They, that was how <laughs> yeah, he was credited. <laughs> All right, so yeah. don't get that one. So you got the game, you got the track. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So two points. Yeah. Good job. All right, so track two, uh, as I gave it away, Donkey Kong. Yeah, Donkey Kong. Col hold on. Now, oh. what do you have written oh. down? What do you have written down? So I put DKC, and then I crossed it out and put 
before you said anything, and I wrote Donkey Kong Land. And what well, did you write? I just Donkey Kong, like the original, the arcade. Okay, you get it. You don't get it. It's actually the Donkey Kong port for the NES. Oh. So it's the original Donkey Kong game, but it's the port for the NES I just that had it. a title screen. I didn't okay. write that's where that music's from. I, okay. just wrote, I didn't write arcade. I just wrote Donkey Kong. Yeah, and it, that's exactly what yeah. it is. So so Aaron gets the point on that one. Yeah. <laughs> and then it is, uh, what what did you write for? The intro song. Intro. Intro, title screen, yeah. main theme. Yeah, sure. I wrote so I'll give it to you both for that. Title and intro. So who, yeah, who composed this? I don't so that know. that's that's the fun fact about that one yeah, is that's I would be wrong because I wrote David Wise. Well, and then DKC, it's like the intro where he's cranking it on the gramophone, yeah. right? Yeah. And that I didn't understand that until last night when I was looking at this stuff, and I was like, oh, he's cranking it on the gramophone because that's the intro music from the NES game. Yeah, which so, is why that uh, Cranky Kong or Grandpa Kong or whatever the is the original is supposedly Donkey yeah, Kong, the right. original yeah. Donkey Kong. Yeah. And then do you, either of you guys know the composers for this one? Uh, well, I put David Wise, which is probably wrong. No, yeah, it's uh, so the original composers. I couldn't actually. This one's tricky because I wrote um, Popo. It's either <laughs> <laughs> it's either someone we've talked about before, Hip Tanaka. Yeah. Oh yeah. So a- Hirokazu Tanaka, yeah. or it's another guy called Yukio Kanakoa. But I think it's Hip Tanaka because uh, the second guy Yukio, he did the sound for like the original arcade game, mm. and then. Uh, Hip is credited for this game, and the, like the only arranger. difference yeah. between the two, mostly, is the intro track. Yeah. So I think Hip did the intro track, but it's actually hard to find. So if anyone knows that 100, <laughs> let me know. Hmm. So Aaron's in the lead. Aaron's in the lead. So here we go. The last one. Popo. The game was. Well, the game was Legend of Zelda. Legend of Zelda. Yeah, I put Zelda one. Zelda one. Legend yeah. of Zelda. Sure. It's hard. It's they hard didn't because call it Zelda one. Well, <laughs> come on. Because <laughs> no, no, no. I was going to write Zelda one or Zelda two, I'm and I was on the fence. Hard time, and so. the track. It's the title screen when I, the title scroll goes up. Yeah. Yeah. I put intro song. Again. Intro title. Yeah. yeah. All good. And it's specifically that part because it's after the title screen leaves, and when it's like going over the story yeah. and then showing all the items, like the story yeah. of yeah. Yeah. I have down intro is yeah. what I have, yeah. uh, which is what I, it was credited in the. Yeah. Like in a CD or if you will. It's burned into my head, so I actually am watching that part of the intro <laughs> game right now. And then uh, composer? I wrote Koji Kondo. So did I. Yeah, and Koji is correct. Yeah. So Aaron me? takes this one by one point. So I thought, I, it's interesting because I thought that would catch you out was yeah. the DKC never, versus. Yeah, and you threw me off because I've never played Donkey Kong on Nintendo. Yeah, and I actually had to look around because I was going like, Steph, I was saying, like, what should I do? And I'm asking my girlfriend, and she's going, like, oh, you should do something from Donkey Kong. And I was like, well, I've been doing NES up to this point, so I want to do NES anyway. And so I just typed in Donkey Kong, hit the first track on the first thing that comes up as Donkey Kong, and I was like, did the arcade game have a title screen? And I was like, no, it didn't. It just went, like most arcade games, it just plays like a demo of the game. And there's the sound is the sound of the game. The reason I know that one specifically is because of when we were playing it on the Nintendo Tour, and we played it on that big arcade machine that we were giving away as a prize. Because okay. Donkey Kong was one of the Game Boy like classic edition yep. re-releases yep, that were yep, on yep. there. So we played Donkey Kong specifically on that machine, and when you were playing the song, yep. I was singing it in my head, because after like the f- song finishes playing, I started to like play the actual, like, dude. Do, 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 yeah, do. and then I'm like, yeah, I know what that is. And I said Donkey Kong Land for kind of uh, the same reason that it didn't quite sound like Donkey Kong Country. And I didn't know that the I knew it was an older Donkey Kong theme, but I never played it on Nintendo. So all right, 
Yeah, but that was good. There you go. Like so that, that was a tricky so one. Aaron, that, one uh, that was the trick question yeah, in this one. Aaron's got the title. I like Aaron's it. Got the title. Like, I, I, I Aaron's say holds you, the belt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to make a championship belt. <laughs> you, you hold just, the gold just cartridge. Just my regular belt. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take your belt off. <laughs> All right. Too far. So no, that too far. Kind of podcast. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but uh, I'd yeah. say you could, you know, we, we, we could go what do you think? shorter on those songs. What do you think, Jordan? Would you go you shorter, think? even a shorter clip? You know, somebody somebody suggested uh, like what old radio stations would do, and I I think shorter might work. But somebody said string them all as one song, oh, like a medley, and so see it's if you like can just pick oh, five seconds, five seconds, and five huh? songs, and we have to just listen to it and like try and decipher. I don't and know how many listen, how many twice, listens, maybe do you like get? two times, twice? yeah, maybe that two, would two be listens. really hard. <laughs> you know, hey, maybe make them real easy, like Mario themes, or okay. you know, I, I don't, or you know, just what we did, already did, but I could do shorter because you could even every do single okay. one of those I knew right away, like what yeah. franchise it was at yeah. least. So it's, it, I always find it fun because like, even when I'm doing it and I'm like testing it on myself, I like, I hear that part and then I'm like, all right, now I got to sing the rest of it in my head. Yeah. And then I'm like, all right, yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have to wait till I get to the gameplay until it's like, oh yeah, now it's solidified in my mind what it actually is. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right. So maybe, um, yeah, I kind of like the string together thing. The medley. The medley. Like because yeah. And then would it be, would you still do just three songs? You know, even doing three songs now, I felt like I kind of wanted to do one or two more. <laughs> one or two more? <laughs> Make okay. it five songs in a five songs in a like twice. Yeah. I don't know All if right. that's too All much. All right. That's, yeah. that's next week. Five songs or, in a medley. Or, it's less editing for me, so I'm yeah. happy about that. <laughs> awesome. Because it almost was a medley this time anyway, because as it went yeah, through because the playlist. Yeah, because the playlist kept yeah. going. <laughs> but they won't hear that. Just you guys heard that. But anyway. Okay. So that is it for the game this week. Aaron's the grand champion. He holds the title right now. Yeah. So next week, I, or I next month, home. we'll see if I don't Jordan have to can go home in shame. So that's yeah. right. Next week, we'll see if Jordan can take the belt. All right, <laughs> the championship belt. But okay. And so uh, that is the end of this episode, and we're going to talk about the contest. Uh, as always, we have a contest. We but this month specifically, we have two games that you can get for free instead of just one. Uh, you get to pick from the Halo Spartan Bundle. Antichamber, The Talos Principle, Overcooked, Sonic Adventure 2, or Dear God. So beautiful list, lineup of games. And all you have to do to win those games is click retweet from our uh, podcast, or sorry, from our Twitter account. Twitter account, uh, at VGM Generations. I get confused because it's the exact same name. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, or you can uh, reach out to us uh, at the email address at VGMGenerations at gmail.com. Send us um, suggestions. Send us suggestions. Actually, what I could really use now, if you're listening and you want to participate, what I could really use now is suggestions for the game. Because um, yeah, yeah. as I go through, it's like I'm like trying to find iconic stuff, but like not too easy and stuff. <laughs> so if, if you have ideas for like stuff I could throw in there, that would be great. Um, but yeah, that's all. That's all for our franchise franchises we love month. Yeah. Hope go, you, go play these franchises. They're good. Yeah. Yeah, go play them. And I uh, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if you were paying attention to the game, that last song gives you a little hint for next month. <gasps> little teaser. Get hype. Get yeah. hype. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll catch you next month.
case you listen this far, your your uh, prize for listening to the very end of the episode is you get to hear the name of the podcast that I was talking about. The Halo podcast is called Hunt the Truth. Hunt the Truth. So if you don't want to Google it, there it is. Fight the future. Fight the- <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll catch you guys next time.